Our gospel lesson for today, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Now when Jesus had heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. All ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. It goes without saying, especially based on how you are seeing this today, that today is out of the ordinary with me beginning vacation soon. Now, in fact, in the in-person worship today, about two minutes after we give the benediction and the song is over, I will be out the door and in the car because we have a very long road trip. My family and I are heading out to one of our favorite places in the world, the mountains of Southern Colorado and Rainbow Trail Lutheran Bible Camp, where for the next week, we will be at family camp and it will be wonderful. Now, this is out of the ordinary for how we've done things in the past, although a year ago we actually took the same approach of leaving a little bit later on in the day and driving straight out, hopefully, as long as all the traffic and the weather and everything cooperates, we will arrive on site mid to late evening, so things will have already started up and we will miss just the few opening portions. And, and that's okay because this is year number 17 going for us and we're pretty familiar with what goes on. It's, as long as everything goes smoothly, smoothly, we'll get there and we'll miss this little part and it won't be a big deal. Now, the initial opening part is a lot of introduction based from the staff for what the various campers, the various families that are there can expect out of the week, the different opportunities that will be there, the Bible studies, what they will focus on, the, the different crafts that can be done, all of the different opportunities that are part of the program. Now, there's one aspect of this that I always appreciate, and it's an address by the executive director, the, the big wig, the, the main guy who goes by the name of Dave, and he sort of talks about the same sort of thing every single year. Now, the first thing he does is he welcomes everyone to family camp, and then he talks a little bit about the idea of family camp itself highlighting the fact that some camps have changed the name of this particular type of programming away from family camp to household camp. And the reasoning behind that is reflecting the various nature of, of the ways that households manifest themselves now. That's not always looking the same as it, as it once did, and families take many different shapes and sizes, and so they want to stress that this is about the household that comes. But for Dave and for Rainbow Trail, they still call it family camp. And he says that we recognize that families take on many shapes and sizes. They look a lot differently from family to family to family, and they want to reflect that. But it goes one step beyond that too. 
And he also talks about the family that will form of all the campers that are there that week, all of the different households, all of the different families that come together into one cohesive group, and it forms up uh, into this one big, giant family. And folks, after 17 years of going, I can say that it happens. Dave is spot on. He is not wrong. It happens every single year, regardless of who is there. Now, there are certain families, there are certain people who, that we have known for years who come year after year, and every year there's new people, but regardless of who is there, regardless of the people who have gathered in that time, it becomes this family. Together, we, along with everyone else who is there, will be recipients of the ministry, but there are also ways that we will participate in it. This is something that I really greatly appreciate. Yes, we are recipients of the program. We are there and the staff serves us and it's wonderful and and really great, but we also participate in it. Every family or every individual that there is part of a smaller group that's known as a village. And each village has one day when they do KP or kitchen patrol, or as they like to call it, kitchen party, because they play the music and everybody gets down while you clean up after a meal and do all the dishes and clean up all the tables and all that. So that's a way that for one day during the week, you serve everyone else that is there. You participate in the work. And there's another aspect of this too. Your village also serves as something known as village of the day. And on one day throughout the course of the week, your village helps do some of the planning and the leading, planning and leading, for instance, the morning worship that goes on, and then the evening devotion that goes on at the campfire. You lead and participate in the ministry in addition to being recipients of it. Now, I share all of that because I think that mentality is lying underneath what's going on within our scripture story for today. Now, today we see a shift in gears. If you have heard our our messages for the last few weeks, you know we've been hearing parables of Jesus. We've been hearing about times when Jesus is teaching different concepts about the kingdom of heaven, and that's wonderful. But now we're seeing a shift, and we're seeing miracles. We actually hear about a couple of different things. One is very minor, or actually many of them are very minor. And then we've got the one big one. Overall, this is the story commonly known as the the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And it's a wonderful, wonderful story. In fact, it's the only one of Jesus' miracles to be featured in all four Gospels. And when that is the case, whenever you find a story that's in all four, let me tell you, it's worth paying attention to. Now, in addition, we also hear that Jesus is healing the the various ailments from within the crowds. That's kind of a narration side note that we hear right at the beginning, but that's what's going on. So we find the divine power of Jesus, the miraculous divine power is on display. We hear that they're kind of out in this wilderness area and that countless different people are coming to Jesus. The crowds are coming to Jesus, and he's taking compassion on them, as he always seems to. Jesus has compassion. He sees those ailments, those things that are hindering the life of fullness for the various individuals, and countless people are healed. And this has been going on all day. And the disciples, bless their heart, they realize, hey, it's starting to get dark. We're in a deserted place. Jesus, you should tell the people to to leave so they can go out and they can find food for themselves and they can find shelter for themselves. So in the very least, let's give the disciples a little bit of credit here. They do seem to be aware of the needs of the people, even if what Jesus has in mind is a little bit different. But Jesus, I think, probably chuckles to himself just a little bit. And he says, oh, no, guys, you feed them. 
He invites them to participate in this work, in this ministry of caring for the needs of the people. And I can only imagine that the disciples' jaws hit the floor when they look at this crowd that we hear is 5,000 men, not to mention the women and the children, so who knows how many people are there. But they look around and they're like, uh, dude, how are we going to do that? And all we have is five loaves and two fish. And maybe, just maybe, we could each have a sandwich like this little group of us, but we can't feed them. We don't have anywhere near enough. But what they are discounting is the miraculous ability of God, the miraculous power that, that Jesus inhabits because he is the man who is also God. And Jesus basically seems to insinuate, hey, that little bit, it's going to be plenty. Don't worry about it. Bring them to me. And Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish, and he gives thanks, and he breaks them, and he gives them to the disciples to distribute, once again, inviting them to participate in this amazing, miraculous ministry moment. That's a whole lot of M's there. I kind of like that. He invites them to join together in the ministry. They're not the ones who are, are the power behind it, but they are invited to participate in it. And we hear that they distribute the food to all of these countless thousands of people. And not only does everybody get a bite, they eat their fill. They eat in abundance. And then there's 12 baskets left over. Let it never be said that when God provides, God does not provide plenty. The disciples have this moment. Now, I oftentimes wonder, what were they thinking? What were they expecting? Were they expecting this moment to happen? And it seems like the answer to that is no, because they're like, hey, Jesus, let's, let's kick these people out of here so that they can go take care of themselves. And then he's like, no, you guys do it. So it seems like they were probably not aware of what Jesus had in mind, but they were invited to participate in it. And I also think that they were recipients of it too. We hear that all who were present ate their fill. Well, that probably involves those 12 disciples too, doesn't it? I wonder, how did they feel? What did they think? Were they amazed? Were they flabbergasted? Were they, were they confused? Were they all of the above? And the truth is, probably yes, they were all of the above. Because oftentimes, what we find in the scriptures is Jesus or God blowing the minds of our expectations and what we think is going to happen. Now, I too hear this story, and I'm amazed by it. And I'll be honest, when I start thinking about the sheer number of the people that Jesus served here, I'm a little bit overblown by it. And I think about some of those amazing times when Jesus and the church and what we hear in the scriptures, it reveals some really humongous numbers, and it makes me really jealous. 5,000 men plus the women and children. About a chapter after this, Jesus does another miraculous healing, and he feeds 4,000 people. And there's the story from Acts chapter 2 when the disciples, now empowered to be the church by the, by the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, preach to, to the, the nations, and 3,000 people are baptized in one day. And I think I hear these stories about these amazingly humongous numbers, and I think to myself, wow, how come I never get to do that? I wonder if that ever happens to you, if you consider the congregation, the, 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 the community of faith that you're a part of, the work that perhaps you participate in and that you, you give of your time to, do you think and wonder, boy, 
those numbers, those, those groups that Jesus worked with, they're incredible. They're enormous. We don't ever manage to do that much. And maybe there's a little bit of jealousy. But you know what? I think it's important that we consider the larger story and not just these amazing, mind-blowing moments. Immediately after this moment, Jesus does send the crowds away. And then he has a moment that's with just the 12 disciples, and even within that, a moment that's only with Peter. So sometimes Jesus is engaging in the ministry, in the work that's for one person, and sometimes the work and the ministry is for thousands. And I believe what we can learn from this larger moment this larger aspect of the story is that God is focused in on whoever is gathered in that moment. The ministry is for whoever is gathered in that moment. So what is the ministry? What is the work that we have been called to do now as followers of Christ? Well, it seems to be quite simply to follow the example of Jesus and to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, if we take that one step farther, if we consider the gospel, because that's what we have been called upon to share, we consider the idea that God made all of this world, and this world is good, and God calls it good, but it is not perfect, and there is brokenness that exists within the world and us as a part of this world. And yet God loves us and this world so much that God will not be separated, and through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, God is somehow overcome that brokenness that's a part of the world and a part of all of us. God has forgiven it. God has overcome it. God has redeemed it, and we have been invited to go out and proclaim that to the world. But at the same time, we are also recipients of that good news. It is both for us, and it is for us to go out and share. When I think about all of this, this whole thing in together, and this tendency that Jesus had to welcome into the moment whoever was there, whether it was one person or thousands, I'm reminded and honestly influenced by that, and that features into the way that I begin worship every single week. If you've been here, you've heard it. Whoever is here, we say whether you've been gathering with us for years or if this is the first time that you have been here, welcome home. Jesus welcomed whoever into that moment, just as I believe we are called to welcome whoever the Holy Spirit has gathered in that moment, remembering that we gather both to hear and to proclaim that gospel which is for you and for you to take out there. I hope that this is an encouragement for you. This reminder that the work of God, the work of Jesus, the gospel, whatever you want to say, you are a recipient of it and you have been empowered and invited to join in the work of sharing that as well. May that serve as an encouragement for you through this week to come in the interactions that you have. May you be welcoming whoever that individual or that group of individuals is into the moment and share the moment in joy with one another, knowing that God's love and God's mercy and God's grace is for you and for them as well. Amen.